Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. This past Sunday was International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia. So today it's quite fitting to have our LGBTQ panel by phone, of course. That's coming up after uh, 10.15, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Feel free to email me anytime to laurie at drlaurie.com. So... Do you remember last week when I read that very, very touching email from a woman who had said that uh, we had helped her 20 years ago flee from a really bad situation with her two friends? Anyway, I got an email now from one of the other women, and this is what she writes. Lori, my friend messaged you on behalf of the three of us for a thank you for being there 20 years ago. I feel I owe you a special thank you. I was the one they dragged out of that horrible situation. I do not remember anything of that night. I only have memories of waking up in the hospital and no idea why. A social worker was at my side. I was released in the afternoon and reunited with my two friends. Just sidebar if you forgot... These were three girls that had left troubled homes coming to Montreal from another um, province, ended up in the hands of a, um, a pimp, basically, and on drugs and in prostitution, and managed to get away. Uh, I asked what happened, and all I was told was we were going home. You were only known as the lady on the radio. We flew back home, and we still do not know or remember who paid for our tickets. We all entered rehab together, and we were dubbed the three misketeers because we stuck together and let no one get between us. Even the doctor said we were good for each other during rehab. It was not easy, but we went through it together, myself being the worst, and we supported each other. Since then, we have been more than best friends, closer than sisters could be. We have argued, all-out yelling arguments, but never once did we stop talking and always there for each other. Twenty years ago, I overdosed, but survived, and if it had not been for you and my two friends, I do not think I would be writing you today. I am healthy and happy today with a good education and in a loving relationship. I have you, my two friends, and a family that became more understanding and supportive to thank. The three of us all came from very dysfunctional families. We did forget to mention the three misketeer part in her message, but it's okay because now we are the four misketeers. We decided to make you an honorary member. A special thank you. This is from uh, Tara. That's really, that's special. Another wonderful, touching uh, email from someone who uh, the Passion Community did help. A uh, text just came in as a long-standing member of the Passion Community. I would like to address those of us who've who self-isolate alone. I think we are paying a greater price than most. I recently discovered a short video on YouTube quite by accident. It is called Beautiful 2020 by Carol King. In it, she addresses those who self-isolate alone. I found it to be absolutely awe-inspiring in a time when we need it. Just a footnote, it's the same Carol King of tapestry fame, for you boomers out there, who in my day, that uh, if a woman had that in her record collection, you knew she was a keeper. I had that in my record collection. I loved uh, Tapestry. That was one of my favorite, favorite uh, all-time records. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. So maybe people can look that up. Beautiful 2020 by uh, Carol King. 
Uh, Lori, I'm curious to know whether your patients ever lose their cool during therapy and swear or curse and whether it's actually permitted to do so. Sure, people lose their cool uh, quite often, in fact, and we're, of course, trained to handle and diffuse uh, situations, but especially when you're working with couples, uh, you can get some real showdowns happening and uh, cursing, swearing, it's all, it's fine for me. However people want to express themselves is, is okay. Unless they are uh, talking to each other that way, uh, then it's not okay. Nor abusing the therapist. That's not okay either, even verbally. So, um, of course therapy is where you, uh, can let it all out in a safe and contained environment. So, uh, people certainly lose their cool. For sure. 514-800 if you'd like to text in a question or uh, you can always email me during the week to Lori at drlori.com. Mark says, I'd like to give a shout out to the Montreal Alouettes cheerleaders who have been touring and will continue to tour seniors residences and performing outside for all to enjoy from the safety of their balconies. Oh, I didn't know that they were doing that. That's wonderful. So yes, big shout out. A question, I have high cholesterol. Can this affect my sexual abilities? The answer is yes. Uh, Cholesterol, think of cholesterol as a kind of fat that is in your, uh, your blood, right? And if you have too much cholesterol, it can build up on the walls of your blood vessels so think about that. Think of the the blood, the, the tiny itsy bitsy blood vessels that are in the penis. Uh, and then they can, uh, as they collect there in the walls, they make those blood vessels narrower. So obviously it's going to make it much more difficult for your blood to move through your body. Uh, so especially in major areas, which can cause high blood pressure as well. So all of this absolutely has an impact on erectile dysfunction, which is why when I meet with men who are a little older, who may be a little overweight, um, who don't seem to have the healthiest of lifestyles and they present with erectile dysfunction that I deem not to be psychological, the first, first thing I ask for is go get a full medical workup, get your blood pressure checked, get your cholesterol checked, get your heart checked, all of this, because the, um, the erectile dysfunction is your body's way of signaling to you that something may be wrong, that the blood may not be flowing well. And this just happened recently with, uh, with a client and I said, okay, you know what, go and check that out. Lo and behold, came back and told me you were right. The, my cholesterol is super high. Now he normally would just let that go, but it'd been years of erectile dysfunction. So you have to be really careful. If that's the case, please have yourself checked out because it could be, could be the signal that something is coming something more uh, drastic than losing your ability to have an erection, like a heart attack or some other uh, blockage uh, in the important, uh, you know, important blood vessels that you, that you need to survive. So um, always check, uh, check that out. 
Hi, Dr. Laura. Great follow-up email from and about those three ladies you helped. They really love you. <laughs> well, it's really nice to hear from people that I had no idea existed, right? I mean, I, I knew when I spoke to them at the time, but, you know, I've spoken to so many people over the years. Like, it's, it is nice to hear how people have fared or how you may have impacted them in some small way and how just the merely being on the air just being having this this avenue to reach people first of all it's a gift that I I feel I've been given I don't mean the gift of I mean the gift to be able to be on on the radio to me it's a, a great privilege uh, that I'm able to do this and if it helps then it makes it just warms me up even more and reminds me why I do this so yes sometimes hearing back from people is a wonderful thing coming up uh, our LGBTQ panel will join me Bill Ryan and David Hawkins uh, will talk about how the LGBTQ community is faring during the pandemic but there's also so many other topics uh, to be discussed that have uh, come up uh, this week and in the, in the last month actually A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Well, this uh, past week, uh, Sunday, was International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia. Yes, we still need a day to, at the very least one day, to sensitize people. But on this show, once a month, we bring in uh, members of the LGBTQ community to further that. And I think uh, everybody deserves a voice, and this community especially. So welcome, I welcome uh, Bill Ryan, who is a regular here. He is a McGill social work professor. He's also an LGBTQ activist for a very long time, one of the, the first in this city that I can remember. And David Hawkins, who is uh, much younger, <laughs> but much, much still... Younger. <laughs> Much, much younger, the director of the West Island LGBTQ Center. Well, it's nice to have different generations represented, right? It's a different experience, I suppose. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, before I begin, I must share this with you, Bill, uh, especially you. Uh, this this came in last week, so before you, you were even announced that you were going to be on the air. I would like to give a shout-out to you for your work, but in addition, I would like to give a shout-out to people on your panels, people like Bill Ryan who helped me when I was completely in a fog after divorce. He helped me right the ship when it was headed for disaster. So I just wanted to extend the kudos to you. Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice. <laughs> it is nice to hear from people yeah. once in a while, yeah. right? As therapists, we often don't ever know the, the, the outcome years down the line, right? Right. But every once in a while we run into someone who says something like that and we think, okay. It's all worth it. It's worth it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we get, we do get that. And of course, David, uh, for you working in the work that you do, you help people who, you help young people, especially who are just coming to terms with their orientation and their uh, sexual identity. And 
So I'm sure that uh, that's something that you experience uh, as well, even though you're pretty young yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we see the change in people all the time. And like, honestly, we're going on three months where I haven't got to see my kids. And, and it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, is that funny when he says my kids? <laughs> yes, yes. I knew what he meant, though. I knew exactly what he meant. And I'm thinking, oh, our grandkids? Yes, I know, I know. He's not old enough to have kids yet, or at least I don't think he has any, but yes. Um, so how, uh, I don't know if you can speak on behalf of the LGBTQ community, but in uh, how do you think the LGBTQ community is faring during the pandemic? Are there any um, circumstances, anything that... Um, you know, maybe something concerning that we should be talking about, Bill? Well, I think that, you know, if you put it in a broader context, we know from studies that um, people who belong to sexual and gender minorities often experience a lot of isolation and solitude uh, at particular times in their lives. And I can probably, you know, say that those times are adolescence during the coming out period and young Mm -hmm. adulthood sometimes, and then older people who belong to gender and sexual minorities. So if those issues are already big issues in terms of mental health in normal times, um, they're much bigger issues in terms of of mental health now because everyone's dealing with solitude and loneliness. Mm -hmm. To some degree, even those who are living in some kind of household are cut off from all kinds of social networks and work contacts and just interactions with people. Right. So I think, yeah, there are some particular issues. And I was really happy to hear Prime Minister Trudeau, um, must have been on... Friday, who opened uh, his talk on the pandemic that he gives every day by talking about LGBTQ2 youth and the importance of seeking support, and if they're in situations they're not safe in, to contact helplines. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important message, and it's quite, it's quite consoling to hear the head of government saying things like that. Absolutely, yeah. to, to include not just children, but all vulnerable communities and the LGBTQ community is uh, is itself vulnerable. I was reading an article that uh, was pretty scary, actually, talking about International Day Against Homophobia, that uh, 70 countries still ban homosexuality, and the punishment is still death in uh, some of them. All of those. Yeah, and yeah. also that, the, that anti-LGBTQ sentiment is on the rise very much like anti-semitism is on the rise yes. and, and the asian people yeah yes so uh i i find that something that uh, that is uh quite scary uh, it was an interesting map to look yeah. at because they mapped it out i don't know if you all saw it but yeah i, I think i've seen the one that you're talking about and i think i think in one sense it is reassuring because you look at how much i believe blue was the color that they used to to kind of denote like some form of protections for yes. for queer people, right? And it was it was nice to see how much blue there was on the map, but also there was a lot of stuff that was in shades of tan and red, which were denoted as either like having no protections or being openly hostile towards queer people. But then you also look at countries on there that were blue, like in in Poland, which I believe it's some two thirds of the country have now declared themselves as like LGBT free zones. And so I, I think it's really interesting to have that updated map. But, um, of, of course, a map will never tell the full story. No, but, so. but what's interesting is that France, even though it has broad protections for LGBTQ people, uh, they say they've experienced a 36% increase in anti-LGBTQ hate crimes. Yeah. So what are we 
what do you think this is due to, Bill? Do you have any idea, especially from a historical perspective even? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, whenever you see movements that lurch or countries that lurch to the right because of right-wing movements that gain more power, hmm. you see two things happen. You see um, initiatives against women and you see initiatives against LGBTQ people. I'd say three things, and you often see anti-Semitic initiatives. Mm -hmm. And just to add another country into that mix that we were, that we were talking about earlier, two of you, um, Hungary just yesterday um, uh, revoked a law that provided recognition to people based on their gender identity hmm. and now will refuse to acknowledge someone's gender identity if they do mm -hmm. not identify themselves with the gender they were assigned at birth. Uh, which yeah. means, you know, that all people who've gone through transitions, whatever to whatever degree they've gone through, but have changed their gender markers and their names, will no longer be allowed to use those gender markers or names with the with the government and anything official. You wow. know, those those kinds of initiatives generally end up leading to violence because they're violent initiatives, right. but they're policy violence and legal violence, and that translates often into um, behaviors. And Eastern Europe and Central Europe. Are very scary places right now in, in, in the world added with others but yeah. um, they've gone very far to the right on these issues right and in Russia apparently uh, if you are uh, an activist if you are a pro LGBTQ activist uh, activism is banned and uh, seen as propaganda so yeah. of course that's not a good thing there yeah. um, and well, uh, if you're in a, if you're in a same-sex relationship or if you're a single, LGBTQ person who has children, you will have your children taken away from you if you in any way engage in any activity that's seen as affirming who you are. Wow. You know, and that's, you know, as in all things Russian today, that's interpreted, you know, at the whim of the politicians and the, mm -hmm. and the police. Mm -hmm. Speaking of children on Better News, so uh, I don't know if you saw Anderson Cooper's cute little child, Wyatt, yes. and a baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was uh, on, on his show. He was showing off photos of himself and and the newborn, and then of course a, a um, there was a religious leader. Always the religious leaders in the states. Those are the ones that seem to uh, take issue all the time. Uh, so one of the religious right, uh, they they said this prominent evangelical leader rushed to say he feels only sadness for him and for you which is quite sad. Uh, Anderson Cooper had said on the air, as a gay kid, I never thought it would be possible to have a child, and I'm grateful for all those who have paved the way and for the doctors and nurses and everyone involved in my son's uh, birth. And then the, this uh, reverend or whoever, evangelical guy, uh, Brown, said, a boy deserves his mother, yet if I understand your plan correctly, your son will not be raised together by her and by you. That's what saddens me the most. Can you imagine what your life would look like today without the influence of your mother? Can you imagine Anderson Cooper without Gloria Vanderbilt? Who would you be without your mom? Think back to all the memories the two of you share, especially since you lost your dad at the age of 10. Now, I want to I wanna be able to talk about this because it keeps coming up about uh, children. It's too bad we don't have Mona on the show uh, tonight yeah. to be able to talk about this, but maybe, Bill, when we come back from our news break, we can talk about uh, this, the, the situation now with families, recognition of same-sex families, and uh, how, uh, especially in, in Quebec, it's one thing to have the religious right in the States. I don't know how 
we fare in comparison here, but that's something we will talk about. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight, our LGBTQ panel is in uh, with us uh, by phone, of course, still. Uh, Bill Ryan is a McGill social work professor and LGBTQ activist. David Hawkins is the director of the West Island LGBTQ Center. So we're talking about Anderson Cooper. I I believe he's a single dad. I don't think that he has a partner. Bill, do you know? From what I read, um, he is technically single, but he said that his former partner is going to be involved in the upbringing of their, of his mm-hmm. child. I can't remember what his child's name is now, but... Wyatt. Um, Wyatt, yes, and that he would be involved, but that they, uh, that he was not formally a parent. Right. Legally. I think he's the only legal uh, parent. We had yeah. Wyatt uh, via a, a surrogate. And of course, the religious right got all over it and... Uh, you know, uh, as, as they do. Um, but, but let's discuss this in, in, in real life and with the science behind it and the studies that have been done, because of course we know the religious right will spew just about, uh, uh, anything, (laughs) all kinds of, of lies, not based on any real fact. So I think it's important that we, uh, we talk about this a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what's it like in uh, Canada today being raised by uh, two dads or two moms or a single gay parent? Well, um, I'll jump in here for a minute. Uh, Yes, you have experience with that. (laughs) Yes, yes, actually, as a gay dad. Right. um, We have extensive um, research in the psychology and social work journals about this that even preceded the legal frameworks that we have today being offered to same-sex parents and uh, LGBTQ individuals with parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know from the research in psychology and psychiatry that, uh, and this has been studied inside out and upside down for years because of custody battles when um, a heterosexual relationship was breaking up and if it became acrimonious, often the, 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 one of the spouses being gay or lesbian was used as a weapon against them in order to um, wow. gain custody for the spouse who wasn't. Okay. And so they consulted an awful lot of specialists and asked for a lot of studies to be done. And it turns out that there's actually there's no measurable negative impact on a child um, having um, same-sex parents or having a parent who's trans or having an individual who's LBG, LGBTQ um, as a single parent. And even framing it that way tells you how it was approached, right? Because they were looking for negative impacts. Right. And more recent studies actually have shown some positive um, impacts. Uh, we know that um, children who have two mothers actually are the most, in studies on healthy development, those children have the healthiest development of any children. They have two you know, nurturing people in their lives right. um, who are brought up to nurture, right, as women. Um, and um, children who have two dads, a London School of Economics study a couple of years ago said that, um, that those children had more emotional affection and support from their fathers than heterosexual children mm-hmm. did from their heterosexual fathers, which, again, you know, when you're parents, you have to provide that emotional support 
and affection right. to your children, and it's not based on what your gender is. It's based on who you are as a person. Exactly, and, which is why the whole argument about, uh, you know, the, 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 this religious leader was saying you're depriving Wyatt, the, his son, uh, of, uh, of his mother, but she just carried him. It, it, she was she didn't consider herself the mother either, right? As yeah. surrogates yeah. are are carriers, are vessels, basically. Right. Um, Which is an insult to you know, and an affront to any families who have adopted her or who, any right. people who have been adopted, right? Yeah. Because we know that adopted children can 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 uh, succeed very well, and that. Uh, and they don't necessarily have to be with their biological parents to, or or both parents to succeed. Right. Children from single fam, family parents as well have have you know they succeed just as well as children who are brought up in in uh, two parent families. It's right. a question of the quality of the relationship, not the nature of the person. Right, because you can have. Yeah. I mean, again, just because you are a woman doesn't make you necessarily the more nurturing of the right. two if you were in a heterosexual relationship, for example. Right. So right. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. that's important. Yeah. I want to just share a couple of texts here. Our passion poet weighs in. The media has a strong influence. They are responsible for what we see and hear. The media can insert a positive twist. They can also influence fear. We have all heard the term fake news and the emotions it can inspire. They can create a discriminative view, and in turn, it lights a fire. Whether one is black or white, whether you are straight or gay, it should not matter in the least. Everyone should have a say. We all deserve a little respect, but really it should be earned. Nobody deserves to be discriminated against. It is a lesson easily learned. I wish it was a lesson easily learned. That's the problem, is that it's we're, we're not learning or teaching um, you know, uh, yeah. not to discriminate. And, and, and I don't, I'm not even talking about, you know, we often talk about the word tolerate. We, it's not about tolerance. This is about, we have to talk about acceptance. Not to, We're not tolerating somebody, which I think is an insult, frankly. Yes. That word. Well, no, no, you know, change it to a verb and it becomes a little less attractive. We tolerate you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. No tolerated. <laughs> Yeah, I can yeah. barely tolerate you, right? It's like, right. it's uh, quite insulting. Uh, Dr. Uh, Lori, yeah. sorry, I just want to add this. Dr. Lori, aren't there a lot of people in adoption homes or orphans? Let them live with someone who will properly love them other than having the government homes look after them. Exactly. Whoever yeah. would love them. That's all children ultimately need is a safe place where they feel loved, be it two parents of the same uh, the same sex or not, right? Right. You know, and, and if you talk about something like adoption, for example, because many um, same-sex couples who are male will uh, will adopt, um, whereas same-sex female couples will often, but not always, will have a, one of them will have a child biologically. Right. But adoption agencies, you know, in broadly speaking in Canada, and in Quebec particularly, but in Canada throughout, um, people are evaluated now according to their values and competency, not according to their sexual orientation or gender identity. And that's right. what people want, is just to be evaluated as fairly as anyone else is exactly. around their parenting yeah. capabilities. Right. Yeah. And uh, I know Youth Protection had made a call out. I mean, I, I know they've done this regularly, but calling for same-sex families to put kids in, uh, to foster kids. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the, the really interesting thing is out of all, all the queer people who I know who I've spoken to and who have considered adopting, oftentimes they, they say they want to foster other kids who are who are queer or trans. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that shows like this really interesting connection and this bond that we have to, to our, our own community and how we want to support and build each other. Because I, I have met quite a few kids who are in the foster system and and their takes on on how the system is set up it's just as not designed to accommodate people who are gay or lesbian or trans or mm-hmm. or what have you and they just want a family or or relations that can understand where they're coming from right and, and, it, and uh, it's yeah. very much the same way when people are looking for help or um i don't know how many times i get asked on the phone are you queer friendly like do you see same-sex couples things like that they don't you don't want to be seen mm-hmm. by someone who doesn't understand or support or what have you so uh, people have often had very bad experiences when they have not asked that question beforehand right yeah. exactly mm-hmm. which is uh yes and i encourage people to ask that question so I know you've all heard of the coronavirus, but have you heard of the so-called homovirus? We're going to talk about that uh, ridiculous term next. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. It's our LGBTQ panel tonight. Bill Ryan, a McGill social work professor and LGBTQ activist. David Hawkins, director of the West Island LGBTQ Center. Let me share a couple of texts here. Uh, I think kids grow up no matter what their parents are, fat, skinny, gay, trans, whatever. Uh, I'd be more concerned about parents that are alcoholics, obese, or abusive versus anything same sex, etc. Couldn't care less. Uh, my sister-in-law and her girlfriend both have children from the same sperm donor, one boy, one girl, coolest thing ever, but she was basically rejected from a daycare just after showing up with her girlfriend. Coincidence? <laughs> so I don't know if this discrimination is happening right here um, in our schools or daycares. I'm not sure. Well, it should not be. It's illegal. Right. It's um, illegal. I would be... I would be very astonished if it was in the school system, which is, you know, under very strict kinds of regulations from the Ministry mm. of Education. Right. Daycares as well. It, it, you'll find individuals. That's the problem. Is the inst- institutions are legally bound to be non-discriminatory, but, you know, in day-to-day interactions with some individuals, mm. you may experience people who either don't know what their ethical um, requirements are or who think that they can have discriminatory attitudes in the workplace, which, right. which is mm-hmm. illegal. Or who find other reasons, right? Oh, we don't have any yeah. room at this time or make up some other stupid excuse. Um, I find that's the big one. Usually people find ways of making people feel unwelcome without using their using their sexuality as kind of the butt of it. Right. But I've, I've worked with so many people over the years who have who've said, well, this, this has happened to me. That seems incredibly transphobic or homophobic. And it never gets framed that way, but that's always how it ends up. Right. It doesn't necessarily get framed in a discriminatory way, or it's hard to prove that they were discriminating yeah. against you yeah. because well, that, of that. that oh, sorry, Lori. No, go that ahead. Invokes, that invokes a notion that we use a lot when we talk about uh, minorities, and that is minority stress. Yes. That minorities experience stressors that people who belong to majorities don't even know exist That's around right. them. And there are plenty and of studies. It, yeah. Yes. And then the other, we call it privilege, right? Those who don't experience those stressors, we call you know, the privileged. So we talk about right white privilege or male privilege, mm-hmm. but people are LGBTQ. You know, if you refuse a service 
or if someone doesn't talk to you or if someone is not nice to you, you're always wondering, is that because they're just not nice people? Mm. Or is that because they hate who I am or right. who I'm perceived to be? And that, you know, and lots the, of minorities experience that. And the stress that you experience on a day-to-day basis, meaning when I, when I go out with my partner, am I, you know, am I a target? Am I going to be a target? Right. Like the privilege that we don't, like let's say the straight community, the hetero community doesn't face, we, you don't realize you're privileged when, right. until you compare yourself to other people who don't have the same uh, freedoms, even though legally they have the same freedoms. That doesn't mean that uh, that plays out in, in every day. And I think that's, uh, that's really important, that people have to be sensitive to that and have to understand that we are privileged in that yeah. way. Uh, this uh, texture writes, I like these guys' clarity in explaining their points and this discussion, and I wonder what that far-right pastor would dare say about Elton John and David Furnish's kids. Instead, he just gratuitously grandstands on Anderson Cooper. Oh, I'm sure he had his words to say about uh, Elton John's kids, too. So, um, But here's another one, <laughs> another homophobic minister. And they come out of the woodwork, because almost every month that oh, I speak yeah. to you guys, there's a new one, right? A new one that's saying some other outlandish thing. But uh, this this rant... It was uh, this this minister, uh, E.W. Jackson, saying that claiming that coronavirus is a plot by Marxist media to collapse the U.S. economy. And he said that the real issue is a a virulent strain of homovirus destroying America. So he's inventing words, by the way. He calls it a a homovirus. Virus. Um, he was a former Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in Virginia, just to add that, uh, who uh, previously described LGBT activists as servants of Satan. In a, and he's also uh, clearly a conspiracy uh, theorist when it comes to the uh, the coronavirus. But he, um, this is what he says. He says. Um, I hate, uh, I, I really believe that the mainstream media wants a panic in America. I believe that the people who are opposed to President Donald Trump would like to see an economic collapse if they thought it would bring about the end of the Trump administration. Um, I think they hate this man so much that they would see mass suffering in this country if they thought it would bring about their political demise. And then he goes on to say, um, the last thing in the world and he's, he's a, a black uh, minister, the last thing in the world the black community needs is more destruction of the family, more attacks on the family, and that's all this whole homosexual movement amounts to. It is a virulent, violent attack. It is the homovirus for the family, and he calls it even uh, more dangerous, running rampant in our culture, and, of course, makes talks about um, you know young children being abandoned and same kind of crap that the others uh, are doing. He's also called, by the way, he's also said that if Pete Buttigieg became president, America would become a homocracy, homocracy, not a democracy, a homocracy. So he's made up two words. How do you like them apples? I think think a good psychiatrist would help. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I hate to sound cynical, but like, are we surprised? Like, this, this is not news anymore. <laughs> I think every time I open the news, I see more of this kind of weird rhetoric that's coming 
way out of left field, or or should I say right field? Yeah, very right, right field. It, but it's disgust. It just, you know, I, I shake my head every time I read it. But and then I think these ministers running for office, they have huge followings. They are on television. They have massive congregations. They have influence and. This is not what this what the world needs. These kinds no. of people. No, but you know, uh, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Franklin Graham, was asked by New York to set up this field hospital in Central Park yes, for yes. patients. Mm-hmm. And he runs an organization called Samaritan's Purse, a charity. And they made every volunteer, every doctor, every person who went there to work sign a statement saying that they were opposed to uh, homosexuality and to same-sex marriages, or they would not allow them to volunteer. And it became a hot political issue in New York City, of course. And, you know, the governor was asked to intervene, and at that point they weren't going to take a hospital down. But um, the the governor condemned this policy and asked them to stop it, and they didn't. They kept it on right to the beginning. So if you're a doctor and you're going to help people in this hospital, you had to sign a statement saying that you weren't gay, that you disprove, disprove the homosexuality and the same-sex marriage. Wow. And, of uh, course, we, if you happen to be gay and were uh, wanting to be treated, that wasn't going to happen. No. Well, you, you know, in that kind of environment, you know you're in danger. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Is <laughs> the ventilator oh, yeah. going to be given to you, you know? Right, speaking, exactly. Speaking minority stress. Yeah, and somebody else just writes, uh, like I said, you know a different ethnic origin can be treated like crap as well. Well, exactly, but uh, it's a minority stress and uh, and that that happens across all uh, all minorities and we're certainly seeing it now with the asian community the stress they're under in terms of of living a daily minority stress mm-hmm. yeah and, and i mean and like it's 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 pervasive in society that's that's the thing is i think we as we as people who are in a minority like we experience this every day Like, none of this is news to me. It's all stuff I've come across before. 90% of the people I work with have very real negative lived experiences about these kind of things. But, like, for people who are not part of the community, it's not something that they're familiar working with because it's not something they face. Right. I just want to – go ahead, Bill. We have to remember, too, that, you know, when you're gay and bisexual or trans, you can also be Asian or black. Yeah. Yeah. Or have a disability. Yeah. Uh, or be indigenous. You know, uh, we have lots of intersecting identities, and when you have more than than one that's stigmatized, it can be it can make your life more of a challenge. To say that's to put it mildly. To put oh, it yeah. mildly, uh, this text writes: It's actually amazing to note that extreme prejudiced people, as much are as such, are clueless to the fact that they are in fact the very danger they warn others against. Yeah. <laughs> very well said. Truly. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, I appreciate you. Uh, stay safe. Thank you so much for uh, joining me by telephone and, and sharing your lives with our passion community. Much appreciated. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us. All right. Stay Take safe, care. Everyone. Stay safe. We'll speak Take to you care. next month. Take care. Right. Take care. Uh, thank you all for uh, your texts and for spending your time with us. Certainly uh, appreciated. I want to thank our technical producer, Chris Aiken, as well. If you want to connect with me on uh, social media, it's at Dr. Lori Batito, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O. 
uh, or through my website, drlaurie.com. That's where you can also email me. You can just fill out the contact form there. Uh, so if you have questions, I answer them at the beginning of every show. I'm happy to answer yours. Uh, coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.